President Bonnie H. Corden was named the Young Women General President on March 31, 2018. At the time of her call, she was serving as the first counselor in the primary general presidency. President Corden was born to Harold and Carol Hillam and was the third of seven children. She learned her work ethic growing up on the family's 80-acre farm in Idaho Falls, Idaho. President Corden met her husband, Derek, while they were both students at Brigham Young University. They were married in the Salt Lake Temple in April 1986 and are the parents of four children and have four grandsons. She loves spending time with her little grandsons. President Corden received a bachelor's degree in education from BYU. She worked in management in the software industry. She was a working mother until she was expecting her third child, and she and her husband relocated to Indiana. After a move to Boise, Idaho, she returned to the business world, starting her own business. She was a school volunteer in Idaho and Utah, serving in the PTA, the classroom, and community council. President Corden's faith has carried her through her life. She served a full-time mission in the Portugal-Lisbon mission. Her Portuguese language came in handy when she served with her husband, Derek, as he presided in the Brasil-Curitiba mission from 2010 to 2013. She has also served in her ward and stake primary young women and Relief Society organizations. She also taught early morning seminary. President Corden loves the outdoors, enjoying jogging, scuba, scuba diving, hiking, and skiing. She enjoys being with her family and traveling. I love people, she said. We are children of our Heavenly Father. He loves us. What a delight to be with all of you. It is an absolute joy to be with you this morning. And as you came in, you could just feel of your energy. As you know, I'm from Idaho. And so I feel right at home as we drove over the border. The sky was bluer, the air was cleaner. And yes, your smiles were very welcoming, so thank you. Well, I'd like to get to know you briefly, and we didn't even talk about this, so if we have a light so I can see them. First of all, raise your hand if this is your first semester of school. Okay, we're cheering you on. Now, if this is your last semester of school. I think there's a few of you, there's an excitement. All right, raise your hand if you served a Portuguese-speaking mission. Okay, there's a few of us, very good. Now, raise your hand if you know exactly what you're going to do after graduation. Look at you. This is a mighty powerful crowd. Now, raise your hand if you don't have a clue what you're going to do after graduation. All right, this was me, my last semester of school. Now, I have a question. 
How many of you, raise your hand if you attended FSY for any reason last summer? Okay, some of you did. Now, here's my plug. We need you this summer. So pray about applying to be an FSY counselor and make a difference in one of the lives of the youth. So ponder that. Now, one more question. Raise your hand if you know that the Lord loves you. And I hope every hand is up. Our Savior knows who you are, where you are, both here today in this glorious hall and online. He also knows where we are spiritually and emotionally. He loves every effort we make, every small step toward him. He rejoices in every kindness shown to one another, especially as what was shared last week by President Irene in his beautiful message on nurturing. Our Savior Jesus Christ is eager to guide us if we will trust him. There is a quote by Frank Borham that just stirs my soul no matter how many times I read it. So Frank W. Borham, an English Baptist preacher, was speaking of the events during the Napoleonic Wars in the early part of the 19th century. And he said, men were following with bated breath the march of Napoleon and waiting with fervish impatience for the latest news of the wars. And all the while, in their own homes, babies were being born. But who could think about babies? Everybody was thinking about battles. In one year, between Trafalgar and Waterloo, there stole into the world a host of heroes. In 1809, Gladstone was born in Liverpool. Alfred Tennyson was born in the Sumsbury Rectory. Oliver Wendell Holmes made his first appearance at Massachusetts. And Abraham Lincoln drew his first breath at Old Kentucky. Music was enhanced by the advent of Felix Mendelssohn at Hamburg, and Elizabeth Barrett Browning was born at Durham. But nobody was thinking about babies. Everybody was thinking of battles. Yet which of the battles of 1809 matter more than the babies of 1809? We fancy that God can only manage his world by big battalions, when all the while he's doing it by beautiful babies. When a wrong wants writing, or a work wants doing, or a truth wants preaching, or a continent wants opening, God sends a baby into the world to do it. That is why long, long ago, a babe was born in Bethlehem. Now, God has used this pattern throughout the ages. He prepares partners in his great work to shepherd this forward. Consider this year of 1940. Now, in this one year, the Battle of France began as a portion of France was placed under German and Italian military occupation. German forces also invaded the Netherlands. The Battle of Britain was fought in the skies over southern England. But what about the babies of 1940? So let's hold there. I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to tell me who these babies of 1940 were, or tell your neighbor. So turn to your neighbor. Who are these babies of 1940? Okay, let's see how many of you are right. Are we ready? All right, let's go. So, Elder Dieter F. Ogdorn was born November 1940. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland, you could tell by the cheeks, couldn't you? 
He was born in December 1940, Elder Quinton L. Cook. Now, is he not so cute with those ears? <laughs> September 1940. So ask yourself, which of the battles of 1940 mattered more than the babies of 1940? Now, the battles of World War II eventually came to an end. Their commanders, their captains have faded into time. But for us, a battle rages on and a daily fight of good versus evil. We have been left with commanders, Elder Holland, Elder Uchtdorf, Elder Cook, and all of the apostles that lead and guide the world, pointing to the source of peace, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Now let's look at three more pictures. Who are these babies? Write down, this one I just want you to write down who you think it is. Well, we're all going to be surprised. So maybe they don't have that in this current, did they not have in the slide deck? Okay, well, you will wish you saw those. There were three absolutely adorable pictures of three individuals, and I'm just gonna read their names and I'm gonna have them stand. So Garrett um, Stinger, President Irene, and Rhonda Siemens. So go ahead and stand. President, you were a part of this baby picture. Rhonda Siemens and Garrett, where is our Garrett? I don't know where Garrett is. Right in the front. There you are. Thank you, Garrett. Can you see Garrett? Okay. Wave, Garrett. Thank you. Now, you look at these great people that were born, and while they were born, there were battles going on, but the Lord had specific things for them to do. So my friends, you look at their impact that they're going to have. They're going to change the world, and you are too, because you were born at this time. Thank you. You can have a seat. Appreciate it. We you are a force for good or ill, depending on the road you choose and the vision you see for yourself and the vision God sees of you. Now, Elder Neil A. Maxwell of the Quorum of the Twelve Apostles said, the same God that placed the star in a precise orbit a millennial before it appeared over Bethlehem in celebration of the birth of the babe has given at least equal attention to the placement of each of us in the precise human orbits so that we may, if we will, illuminate the landscape of our individual lives so that our light may not only lead others, but warm them as well. Just like the babies of 1809, 1940, and the early 2000s, all of you, he knows the power and influence you can have and I hope you will hear and feel this next statement deeply. You are known by Heavenly Father in Jesus Christ. They know your name, your attributes, your ambitions, your worries, and your weariness. Dear friends, they remember who you were in the pre-earth life. You can have confidence that they know you well. Understanding this eternal truth and choosing to live up to that divine potential is within your power. It will demand the very best of your agency and the strength that comes through calling upon Christ. Now, do you know what a life hack is? You all chuckle. But as I talk to people, what is a life hack? Many of them say it's something that will help make your life easier. So we're going to go with that definition. If you have something different, talk to me afterwards. So I have a favorite life hack that I like to use as a guide. It's better than a tutorial on how to fold a fitted sheet or how to use cooking spray.
to get help keep heavy snow from sticking to the shovel. Although in Rexburg, this may be a life hack you might want to hold on to. But turning to the scriptures for a life hack is much more reliable than social media. I invite you to write this particular life hack on your phone. Tape it on your mirror in your dorm or write it on the bottom of your shoe for safekeeping. Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. This is powerful. This familiar invitation in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 includes three important elements. First, an invitation, a warning, and a promise. Now, the invitation, there's actually two. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and in all thy ways acknowledge him. Now, that's easier said than done. The simple but everlasting warning Lean not unto thine own understanding. And then this glorious promise, he shall direct thy paths. Don't you love the word paths is plural? It does not mean that he will only direct our path once, but over and over and over again. I love that S at the end of that word. I can't think of anyone better to direct my life than the Savior Jesus Christ. Now, let's look at a scriptural example of trusting in the Lord with all, and I say all, your heart here, and allowing the Lord to direct your paths beyond what you think you know. In the Book of Mormon, we find this remarkable story of the Jaredites, who were led by a prophet. And this prophet doesn't even have a name. He can't, they, go, they call him the brother of Jared. Now, let's start in Ether 2.6. And it came to pass that they, the Jaredites, did travel in the wilderness and did build barges in which they did cross many waters. Now, what does this scripture teach us about the Jaredites? You may be wondering, President Corden, why that scripture? Now, this is very important. They were barge-building people. They knew how to build a seaworthy boat that would cross many waters. This was very familiar to them. Now, the brother Jared receives a command to build now eight barges. Note, according to the instructions of the Lord. Let's stop and think about it. They were barge building people. They knew how to do this. Now the Lord has them build eight barges according to his instructions. Notice the exactness of allowing the, giving his whole heart to the Lord. After building the barges exactly as instructed, he, Brother Jared comes to the Lord in prayer. And he says, O oh Lord, I have performed the work thou hast commanded me, and I have made the barges according as thou hast directed me. Now here's an important prayer. O oh Lord, in them there is no light. Whither shall we steer? And also, we shall perish, for in them we cannot breathe, save it was the air which was in them. Therefore, we shall perish. Why would a perfect God give them an incomplete blueprint? Can you imagine their thoughts as they begin to build barges? 
that didn't make sense? The plan for barges that lacked light, air, and steering is literally the worst blueprint ever. They knew how to build barges. But note, the brother of Jared trusted in the Lord with all his heart. Have you ever stopped to think what was required of him to give his whole heart to the Lord and lean not to his own understanding, even though he knew how to build a barge? Maybe it wasn't all about the light and the air, but the lack thereof was the opportunity for the brother of Jared to come to know Jesus Christ better as he sought revelation and more direction through prayer and diligent doing. Through this process, my friends, he came to know Jesus Christ. Our trials, struggles, and concerns may be the very catalyst for us to come to know our Savior better as we trust him with all our hearts, commending ourselves to the Lord. Now, we know how air was revealed. The problem with light was tenderly resolved. But steering, let's focus for a moment on this significant question the brother of Jared brought to the Lord. Whether shall we steer? Now, the Jaredites thought they needed steering, a pretty good assumption in my opinion. But when no answer was given as to how to fix the barges, to steer from point A to point B, they did the most incredible thing. In Ether 6.4, we read, now you just put yourself in this spot. And it came to pass that, uh, that where they had prepared all manner of food, that thereby they might subsist upon the water, they got aboard of their vessels and barges and set forth into the sea, commending themselves unto the Lord their God. With no way to steer, they prepared everything. They jumped in and sealed themselves up as his, commending themselves to God and let him take them away. Can you imagine? In our lives, there will be times when we must do just that, when we must commend ourselves to the Lord and say, I know the fierce winds are going to come. I know the depths are going to be there. And I know there is darkness ahead. And I don't even know how many days. I don't even really know where we're going. And I don't know what it's going to look like when we get there. But I'm going to trust the Lord. Come what may, I'm choosing to trust. I'm going to allow the Lord to direct my path I am commending myself to my God. With one verse and a few problems, the brother Jared's relationship with the Lord changed. How can we, in 2023, commend ourselves unto the Lord and allow him to steer, guide, and direct our lives? Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not now, while I was attending college at BYU Provo, I thought I was on the clear path to be an elementary school teacher. No one was more surprised than me when I realized during my student teaching 
the beginning of my last year of studies that I didn't like being in the classroom. Didn't the Lord know that about me? Why did he not direct my path to another major? I had attended my classes. I studied hard. I attended all my church meetings and served and tried to fulfill my callings, even my favorite calling, handing out the handbooks, their hymn books on the left side of the chapel. Now, dear friends, I can stand here today to testify, looking in the rearview mirror, that the Lord did walk with me. I just did not realize the magnitude of his love and presence at times. As I knelt and presented this problem to the Lord over and over, eventually a sweet peace came to my mind and heart. Finish your degree, Bonnie. You will have a career journey of joy. Now, I didn't know what that meant. But choosing Jesus Christ each day, my life has unfolded more glorious than I could ever imagine. I didn't, I did not go on to teach in the classroom, but I had a career that I treasure in the high-tech industry. Yes, the Lord's promise that he whispered to my heart came true. I had a career journey of joy. There have been tears, trials, and uncertainty, questions, even questions that I'm still asking. But Christ's promise is sure he will direct our paths if we commend ourselves to his keeping. The Lord does not send us here without the help we need, but it is beholden on us to seek, ask, and then heed. I love Ether 1241, and now I would commend you to seek this Jesus, of whom the prophets and apostles have written, and the grace of God the Father, and also the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Ghost, which beareth record of them, may be and abide in you forever. Now stop and think about that promise. May be and abide in you forever. Now, at least you think this process of trusting and commending is without trial and error. This video is fairly good depiction of the, of, of the journey most of us are on. Now, thankfully, our God is a God of first, second, and third chances. We can always come back and repent. May we allow the Lord to be all in in our life. The more real Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ are in our lives, the more we will learn to trust them. That trust begins by mindfully moving closer to them each and every day. A young boy asked his father, Dad, what is the size of God? The father looked up at the sky and saw a plane and asked his son, what is the size of that plane? The boy replied, it is very small. I can hardly see it. Then the father took his son to the airport. And as they approached the plane, the father asked, now, my son, how big is the plane? The boy replied, wow, dad, it's huge. The father told him, God's size in our life depends on how close or far you are to him. The closer you are to him, the greater and greater he will be in your life. Your baby picture may not have been on the screen only because it was a task too big for me to try to get them all. But you are needed, wanted, and called. When you look in the mirror, don't forget what you may not always see, a glorious spirit, 
a daughter or son of God with potential wrapped inside of you, you have a purpose. I invite you to ask yourself, what wrongs am I going to make right? What love will I fill the world with? What lives will I touch? What work am I ready to perform? You will have an impact upon the world, whether great or small, it will be significant. I didn't know where life would take me as a graduating senior in college, but I had faith. Faith enough to say, I commend myself to thee, Lord. I want to be about your work. That one choice led me to a life of far greater joy than any career ever could have. It's imperative in this season of educational growth and progress to focus on school. Don't miss out on the opportunity to have the spirit accompany your studies. You don't want to do this educational journey alone. Study your scriptures and your textbooks together, and you will notice an increase of divine understanding. Now, I invite you to take 30 seconds and write down three things you can do or let go of to come to know God better that will bring you closer to your Lord and Savior, like the airplane. It would be powerful opportunity, don't you think, to sit knee to knee with each of you and hear your testimony of Jesus Christ? I wish we had time. But we can testify collectively as one. Will you add your voice and your testimony to mine by joining in singing Peace in Christ? Listen to
I add my testimony to yours. Jesus is the Christ. He lives. The babe who was born just, that we just celebrated, is not only our first and forever gift of Christmas. He is our Redeemer. He will answer our questions if we will be open to hear him. He will prepare us and guide us to fulfill our divine and eternal potential if we will commend our lives unto him. May this new year be full of him who is mighty to save. I leave this with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.